All right. Welcome, everyone, to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm joined today by my co-host, Brian Wells. And and I don't know if I call him my co-host, special guest host, whatever. We have Benjamin Carlson back. Ben, welcome back to He's Done It. Hello. Hello. I'm ready to talk some football. It's time to get back to football. That is right. It's been a it's been a long seven months now without football, and uh, the NFL season is set to kick off this week. So we are here with our 2020 NFL season preview. We'll be talking about some of the major storylines heading into the season. Talk about some of the teams and players who are under the most pressure to succeed this year, along with some same face new place guys, some over under picks, and other bold predictions. So with that, let's get into it. So 2020 NFL season preview. Uh, we got the three of us back, the uh, the three guys on the podcast cover. And you know, Ben, it's it's been a it's been a little sad not having you around regularly. Before we get into it, do you want to kind of talk to everyone about what you've been up to, where you've been? Uh, sure. I mean, I've still been in the same place, still doing podcasts remotely, um, still working on Affable Chat, my other brand, I guess. Um, but it is just, it's difficult, you know, when you have a full-time job and you're trying to do content creation, you have to, if you want to pick up something new, you have to drop something old. And uh, even though I've been loved doing He's Done It for the past few years, I've recently, well, not that recently, but over the pandemic, I started live streaming on Twitch. So if you're into that kind of thing, uh, Affable Chat is live on Twitch on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern uh, just twitch.tv slash affable chat. And I'll leave it at that. If you're interested in what I've been doing, come check it out. We're live every Tuesday night. But let's get let's get, let's get into this football. Let's talk about yeah. the reason I'm here. Yes. And uh you of course are still a big football fan. Um and you know as as everyone kind of knows something that happened seven months ago but maybe feels like seven years ago the San Francisco 49ers, Ben's favorite team, lost the Super Bowl to Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Now in that time Patrick Mahomes has received a record-setting, incredible 12-year, $500 million contract from Kansas City. He's ready to come out this year, this uh, mega-rich guy, now owner of the Kansas City Royals on top of the world. And really, the big <laughs> the big question heading into the season is, what's going to stop the Chiefs from winning back-to-back Super Bowls? I don't have an answer for you. I think that Patrick Mahomes is primed to take a, to make a run at the GOAT, you know, right after, as we're in the waning years of the Tom Brady era, um, when we said there's never a chance, you could never do what he did again. Suddenly we have a guy where you're like, well, maybe he could do it. <laughs> I don't see how the Chiefs can, uh, I, I can see them repeating again for sure. They they didn't really lose anyone, anyone in the offseason and... On defense, they re-signed Rashad Breeland, and they signed Chris Jones to a big deal as well. Not a Patrick Mahomes-like deal, but still a pretty good deal. Four years, $85 million. And yeah, they have, on offense, they have Tyreek 
Hill, Travis Kelsey still. And even though they lost Damian Williams uh, due to opting out because of COVID, they brought in uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire with the 32nd overall pick in the uh, this year's past draft, who is arguably an even better option than Damian Williams. Uh, so I can absolutely see the Chiefs repeating as well this year. Yeah, Kansas City should be absolutely loaded again. And, you know, I think the only thing I can see that's going to slow them down this year and prevent them from, you know, getting back to and winning the Super Bowl is history. Because we haven't seen a team win back-to-back Super Bowls since 2004. Uh, I believe the Seahawks in 2014 are the only defending champ to even get back to the Super Bowl in that time. Oh, them in the 2017 Patriots. So we've had a couple teams that are just super elite that have been able to make the return to the Super Bowl and get a chance. And it, it feels like Kansas City should be able to continue to do that because where where is the weaknesses on this team? Now, you mentioned Brashad Breland. He was suspended for the first four games of the season um, due to a, a positive PED test. And I think that maybe cornerback, like their secondary, is kind of a weak spot. That was something that really slowed them down in 2018. But Teron Matthew, their uh, prize free agent acquisition last year, came in and really shored up that defense. So when I look at this Kansas City team, it's like I feel like the only reason why I would say, oh, they're not going to go back to the Super Bowl and win it again this year is just because it's so hard to go back to back in the National Football League. Oh, yeah. Any given Sunday, the way the playoffs work, you only need to have one bad day while your opponents are having a good day. And that's the whole year for you. That's how it's defined. Um, But speaking of defining things, I actually was on Pro Football Reference and they have like the nicknames for all the players on there. And I had no idea Mahomes had so many nicknames. Are you guys aware of this? Do any nicknames come to mind for Patrick Mahomes? Showtime. That's the first one. That one's definitely on there. And then Patrick Mahomey from the uh, State Farm commercials that he does with uh, Aaron Rodgers. Okay, I don't know if this is I don't know if this is one, but do you guys remember the movie Holes? He kind of looks like Zero, to be honest. So uh, he (laughs) he reminds me of him a little bit. Well, Mahome Boy was on there, so that's kind of close to Mahomey. But yeah, so Showtime, Mahome Boy. But here are the other ones: Magic Man, the the musician, the gunslinger, and my personal favorite. Fat trick. I, <laughs> I don't know how he got that nickname, but Fat Trick Mahomes. Um, wow. Okay. Yes. When you, I guess, when you've got that much money, you can afford to just purchase a whole bunch of different monikers. And um, that was that was a, a surprising revelation. Everything else on his Pro Football Reference is just amazing football stats, very legit. These were a little bit uh, quirky. <laughs> yeah. Wow. No, Why, I've, what? I've never heard of any of those. Actually. Why Fatrick? That's what I'm saying. He's not fat. It's got to be something from A and M, or maybe even his childhood. Uh, I mean, Texas I know Tech, he. Mean? I, I know. Oh, I'm sorry, Texas Tech. My bad. Um, so maybe it's from before the pros, but it's on Pro Football Reference, so you know it's it's real. I mean, when it comes to food, he's talked about his obsession with ketchup, and one of the reasons why I love Patrick Mahomes based on his talent, of course. But one of the reasons why I also love him is because. Me and him might be the only two people on earth that like to put ketchup on their mac and cheese. So that's one <laughs> one of the reasons why I praise him. That's one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen anyone do. And we were at Outback Steakhouse and Brian does that. I'm like, what is wrong with you? We were with our friend Kenny who's obsessed with ketchup. And even he's like, yeah, like I wouldn't do that. <laughs> you, you can't put too much. If you just put a little, it's, it's great. Uh, God, try it sometime, Ben and Corey. I'll keep you posted. 
Okay, so I did I did Google it in the meantime here though. Um, so Patrick Mahomes, like it's actually an an article from June 2018. So before he even became the player he was. Um, but it's it's just like a whole NFL.com like random nicknames from uh, ProFootballReference.com. So uh, and like Patrick Mahomes, they talk about the musician Patrick or the gunslinger, and it says, "Wow, okay, so the musician is a reference to Mahomes." improvisational abilities behind center he plays quarterback like it's jazz man the fatrick nickname dates back to his early years at texas tech where i guess he had a sneaky weight problem so apparently he did actually used to be kind of fat uh, which is kind of crazy to think about kids can be cruel uh, we only accept the gunslinger when it's in reference to Brett Favre, sorry. Which, like, honestly, when I think gunslinger, I think about a guy who's, like, maybe, you know, like Brett Favre, who's going to chuck it up, lead the league in touchdowns and interceptions at the same time. You know, something that Jameis Winston has come to be. Patrick Mahomes, is, he's willing to throw the ball up out of nowhere, but he's not usually having a lot of uh, he takes he takes care of the football yeah he does he, he takes care of the football much better than brett Favre. so i agree i agree i totally agree with the gunslinger nickname that that should only go to brett Favre. yeah so anyway we'll see how mahomes can do it sounds like we're all really high on the chiefs you know we'll kind of talk about uh some of our actual predictions down the road but you know while the the chiefs defending championship run is a big storyline i think it's reasonable to say that the 2020 season could be defined by the two goats that Ben was talking about, you know, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady apart for the first time in two decades, Tom Brady taking his talents to Tampa to join up with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. They just brought in Leonard Fournette, Bruce Arians. We know how much success he's had with quarterbacks, even aging guys like Carson Palmer. Whereas Bill Belichick has turned into Cam Newton as a starting quarterback in this season. And we've seen the Patriots uh, hit both in free agency as well as with COVID departures. And there are a lot of people who are thinking that the Patriots not only could be in jeopardy of missing the playoffs for the first time in 12 years, first time without Brady since you know 2008 when he tore his ACL, and uh, possibly even being in the running for Trevor Lawrence or one of the top quarterbacks at the top of the draft. So... What what are our expectations of year one of Tom Brady in Tampa and year one of Bill Belichick without Brady in New England? Um, year one in New England, I do not expect them to be in the running for Trevor Lawrence. I think that Bill Belichick is going to coach him up well enough for them to be a serviceable team. I don't. They're not like the Jags where they're just purposely going to tank this year and go, try to go get Trevor Lawrence. They're not going to do that. But I do have concerns about their team. Uh, when you look at their receiving core after Julian Edelman, it gets really dicey because after Julian Edelman, it's Nikhil Harry, Demir Bird, uh, Jacoby Myers, Gunnar Olszewski. You guys probably never heard of a couple of those guys, but it, it it's really shaky after Julian Edelman. And then on defense, when you look at the defensive side of the ball for New England, they lost Hightower due to uh, opting out because of COVID and as, as well as Patrick Chung. And then they also lost Kyle Van Noy and Deron Harmon and many others. And Jamie, Jamie Collins. Collins yeah. Jamie Collins to the Lions. And I definitely have concerns for the Patriots making the playoffs this year, but I I don't think they'll be they'll definitely not be in the ring for Trevor Lawrence, though. I, I agree. I think Bill Belichick's gonna breathe life back into Cam Newton's career. Um, and it might even be exciting. I never really underestimate the rest of the NFC East's ability. I mean, sorry, AFC East's ability to underachieve. You know, um, so there's there's 
I mean, obviously the Bills are good and potentially could be this could be their year, but who knows? I mean, it's still Bill Belichick, it's still the Patriots, and um, Cam Newton sounds healthy. So a lot of people have been, you know, casting doubt. I'm not saying that they're like a Super Bowl favorite or anything like that, but um, I think Cam Newton and Bill Belichick will be a productive duo. So I think as a Patriots hater, the best thing that could happen for the Patriots this season is they're good enough to not be in the running for one of the top, top quarterbacks in the draft, but also not good enough to make the playoffs. Um, And I'm thinking that's kind of what the range that they'll be in, where you'll kind of see them flirting with 500. Cam Newton will have his moments, but how much can we really trust Cam Newton after last season? He missed the entire season with an injury that has been a story of his career, basically, since that MVP season in 2015. And yeah, Cam Newton adds some excitement that you don't have with Jared Siddham, but it kind of feels like the Patriots are going to have a limitation unless Cam can actually prove that he's not only healthy, but back at that MVP type level, especially when you talk about all the opt-outs on the defense. Now, Bill Belichick has always been crafty with defense. They've always been able to turn guys that were failures in other organizations, guys who are late round draft picks or even undrafted and make them into noteworthy star players guys like Stefan Gilmore who was a first round pick not super great in Buffalo and now he's defensive player of the year in New England so I think the Patriots can still be a really solid team uh, but I, I do think that their ceiling is pretty much capped but the AFC East like Ben said those three teams the Buffalo Bills New York Jets and Miami Dolphins do not have a high history of success while Buffalo is seen as this team that could be really really good this year they still the Bills so maybe that could be enough that a mediocre Patriots team can still get into the playoffs and have some success. Now, on the flip side, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it kind of feels like there are a lot of people who think this is a team that can legitimately become the first ever team to host the Super Bowl. And then at the same time, you have so many naysayers who say Tom Brady's 43, his game is falling off, he's going in a new system, doesn't have Bill Belichick anymore, and the Bucs are more likely to be kind of in that 2011 Eagles or 2019 Browns range where it's a super overhyped team that just crashes and burns in the regular season. So where do you guys kind of see this Buccaneers team falling? I I think the Bucs are definitely can be a playoff team with Brady now in the mix. They're definitely going to turn the ball, the ball less, much less with Brady than with Winston uh, for sure. And then they also have he he has better weapons now than he has had in within the past like one or two years or so. And they also signed Leonard Fournette recently, who I'm not a huge Leonard Fournette guy, but to sign him for a one year prove it deal uh, is pretty good for them. And they also got Gronk in a trade with the Patriots after he returned from retirement. I don't. I'm not super high on Gronk, but I think he can do better than he did in his last season, where he was basically an afterthought and was just blocking the entire time. And on defense, they they still look pretty good, and they got Jason Pierre-Paul, Nick and Sue, and and many others to lead their defense. So I I see them as a playoff team. Now my question is, how high is their ceiling? Can they can they host the Super Bowl or not? Yeah, I mean, I echo a lot of those same feelings, Brian. Like, there's so much talent there. There's there's a cause for hype, right? Um, and I just, I a lot of people think it's uh, the success of this team hinges on whether or not Tom Brady is great. And I think 
yeah, obviously if Tom Brady's bad, they're going to have a tough time. But I think it's also just the organization around him. If Tom Brady can go in there and really, you know, turn their fortunes around, um, it's really tough because we're in this whole pandemic right now and preparation maybe that much harder you know tom brady might be like ready to go but some of the younger guys on the team maybe not as ready to get things going not in the same you know used to the football season like he is so i think it's just if all the pieces can come together and i'm way less um confident about that right now but until i see them on the field it's all just a guess right there's no preseason there's all these guys potentially getting sick and all these different protocols um if they can get it back together i have high hopes for them but uh, i think that asterisk kind of goes on any football team this season but i think especially the buccaneers because they have so many new pieces yeah i mean with with um you know no no preseason short in training camp lack of practices it does kind of feel like the teams that are going to be the most successful would be ones that have been doing it together for years you know they don't have too many moving parts and the bucks obviously have a, some pretty notable moving parts you know bringing in a new quarterback the running back room while not only did they add uh, Leonard Fournette they also added LaShawn McCoy and a rookie in Keyshawn Vaughn and their only really tenured running back they still have Ronald Jones has been fairly disappointing since being a second round pick a few years ago Rob Gronkowski of course at tight end um, my understanding is that Cameron Bree and OJ Howard are both still on the roster uh, I would That's think correct, that yeah. I would think that of those three tight ends, you know, one of them is going to end up on the move, and I don't really think it's going to be Gronk, barring an injury. Um, so it does kind of feel like there's a lot of new pieces, and this is not necessarily the kind of year where you want all that new, you know, guys that aren't familiar to come together. But when I look at the defensive side of the ball, the Bucks are they were a really solid defense last year, which has not been the case of that team during most of the Jameis Winston era. So I think if the Bucs are going to actually reach their like true potential, it's going to have to be because of how they perform on the defensive side of the ball. Shaquille Barrett was insane last year. I think he had like 19 and a half sacks or something like that after uh, signing a one-year prove-it deal with that team. And you know if, if they can... do well enough on the defensive side of the ball maybe they don't need to be as good as the 2019 Patriots are for the Bucs to be like a playoff contender and a true championship contender but if they can succeed on the defensive side of the ball that's that's what it's going to come down to for them because I I really I've been saying this for the beginning I don't think that Tom Brady's going to take advantage of those weapons as well as Jameis Winston did like he's not going to throw for 5,000 yards he's not going to lead the league in interceptions but he's not going to lead the league in passing touchdowns like he's not going to have 30 on either side so uh, to me, I'm looking at the Bucks defense for success. I want to be the guy who comes out and says that the Bucks are going to falter. Tom Brady is going to be terrible. It's going to totally affect his legacy leaving New England. But I think that with seven playoff teams, Tampa should be able to make it to the postseason. Um, I just think that they're very limited from there in terms of where they can go. But when the Bucs haven't made the playoffs in 13 years, I don't think that their fans necessarily need them to win the Super Bowl this year for it to be considered a successful season and worthwhile bringing in Tom Brady. How awful is that, that for so many years they've been dreadful and then they finally get, they get Tom Brady. And so you you think that they're going to sell out all of these tickets, but then all of a sudden COVID happens and they, they can't even come in to watch the games. Yeah, this is such a cruel fate, fate for those uh, Buccaneers fans in Tampa. But, um, you know, hopefully, you know, I guess for their sake, at least they can kind of rebound the organization moving forward. Uh, they have Brady on a contract for two years, right? So they should still get the opportunity in 2021. 
All right, let's uh, move on to our next storyline. And last season, uh, my Pittsburgh Steelers were phenomenal on the defensive side of the ball, leading the league in takeaways, leading the league in sacks. And uh, it really looked like a resurgence of those you know, 1970s or even the 2000s Steelers defenses that won six Super Bowls. But all of that defense was gone to waste, essentially, because of the quarterback play with Mason Rudolph struggling during his time and an undrafted rookie free agent, Duck Hodges, while he was a, a fun guy, he had his own struggles at the quarterback position. The team ultimately went 8-8 eight and eight and finished just outside of the playoff field. So Ben Roethlisberger is coming off major elbow surgery, and he's back as a Steelers starting quarterback. And I think, you know, one of the biggest things to go along with Ben Roethlisberger being back in Pittsburgh is the Steelers play in a division with Lamar Jackson, the reigning MVP of the Baltimore Ravens, Baker Mayfield, another Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, and now Joe Burrow, who's coming off the best season in college football history at LSU, number one overall pick. So what are we going to get when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers with Ben Roethlisberger? How great does he have to be to be able to get himself above these other young quarterbacks and get the Steelers back into playoff and championship contention? I mean, he has to be better. He has to be better than Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. That's that's the requirement from Ben Roethlisberger. And I think the Steelers' successes relied on how on Ben Big Ben staying healthy because their defense is legit. And if Ben were to stay healthy, that improves the play of guys like James Conner, Juju Smith Schuster, and possibly Deontay Johnson breaking out this year. And if Ben were to get injured. As soon as week two again, just like last year, then they're looking at a 500 year and squeaking in or squeaking out of the playoffs again. Yeah, it's uh, I can't remember the last time I saw this much hype about a quarterback coming off major elbow surgery. It's almost like the surgery has improved his prospects. People are like, wow, now he's going to be amazing. Um, But I, I think this whole team hinges on their defense still being good if they can be that productive unit that they were last season then Ben Roethlisberger just needs to steer the ship because they can win games off of taking care of the football and destroying opposing offenses with that um, really good defense so um, as much as I've heard hype that Ben Roethlisberger is going to come take the league by storm uh, do you guys follow Joey Molinaro on yes uh, uh, he's a Steelers fan, yeah. and yep. he is always giving Ben Roethlisberger so much yeah, uh, the, like, uh, hype. Big, big Ben revenge tour. Yes, and and again, like I know that's kind of a meme, but I also know that people kind of think that. I don't think that's necessary for the Steelers to have success. I think that Ben Roethlisberger, if he can bring consistent play at the quarterback position, that's all the Steelers need. They're always right there on the fringe, like last season, uh, of making the playoffs even without good quarterback play. So um, I think having him return is huge, even if his numbers aren't huge. Yeah, I mean, I, you- I, I agree with that overall sentiment and that Ben Roethlisberger, he doesn't need to be as as great as he has been. Like, you know, 2014, 20. 20- like that that season was the best of his career you know even like the you know 2016 2017 when the Steelers were um you know going deep into the playoffs like i don't think he necessarily needs to play at that level to be better but you do do need to see like a huge uh boost from him if the Steelers aren't just going to get into the playoffs like i don't think the goal should just be the 7 seed it should be to actually get back into championship contention because 
the Steelers Super Bowl window is pretty limited with with Ben Rosberg at quarterback at least because yes he's coming back he looks thin he looks healthy he shaved his uh, caveman beard like he looks like he's ready to go and be a starting quarterback in this league again but he's still 38 years old so um, the, the the window is definitely limited I do think the Steelers defense will have a little bit of regression I still think they're going to be really good because. You know, TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, Devin Bush are only going to be better uh, as they're now a year older. 38 takeaways after only 15 in 2018. It feels difficult to reproduce that, but the team's led the league in sacks, I believe, the last three years. So um, I definitely expect the defense still be good. Ben Roethlisberger should make Juju Smith-Schuster, James Conner better. Deontay Johnson was phenomenal. He led the all rookies in catches with uh, Rudolph and Hodges thrown in the football. I'm excited to see what he can do with Big Ben and then adding in Eric Ebron to join a fellow veteran tight end, Vance McDonald. It feels like the Steelers should have enough weapons for Ben Roethlisberger to succeed. But I think that in terms of how great the Steelers can be, it's really going to come down to is Ben just coming in and being better than Rudolph and Duck or is he actually putting himself at the you know elite quarterback status that he used to be for most of his career? Typically, when we look at teams who have won the Super Bowl, most of the time they're pretty much balanced, but mostly lean with their offense. Do you think this Steelers team can be like the 2015 Broncos, where they were just loaded on defense, but offensively they weren't as great, but Peyton Manning just took took care of the ball? For the most part, I think, think last like year's them? team would have been more like the 2015 Broncos with Rudolph <laughs> and Duck playing the role of uh, Peyton and Brock Osweiler. Um, I, I would if, if Ben Rossberger plays like 2015 Peyton Manning, then I don't think that the Steelers are going anywhere further than the wildcard round. Like if they're going to be a Super Bowl team, Ben Rossberger needs to be, you know, he doesn't necessarily need to be up there with. Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson and all those young elite quarterbacks, but he needs to be a top 10 caliber quarterback in this league, which I think he's very much capable of. I mean, if I look around the AFC, those are the only three guys that I would definitively say are better quarterbacks than Ben Roethlisberger. Um, but I mean, I, I I don't think that he can. It can't just be straight up defense. And no, just, no. I mean, that, just that's straight what up the team was the last football. year, and they went eight right. and eight. They would have gotten in as a seven seed in this year's playoff, but like that's. That's not going to get him to the the level of play that. The so the, that formula could help were. him. That formula could help him make the playoffs, but their ceiling is capped if Ben doesn't perform like he did years ago, I guess, or is, when he performs up to closer his ceiling. to it. Yeah, yeah, yes. Um, all that being said, I think that the Ravens are the most talented team in football. I still expect Baltimore to win because it's it's kind of hard for me, you know, barring any kind of major injuries or anything, seeing the Ravens win fewer than 12 games, uh, especially with how great their schedule is. I think Houston is the furthest they have to travel on the road. Um, and that's week two of the season. Down the stretch, they play a, a very, like, it feels like they're, even if they start off with, like, a few losses to Houston, Kansas City, uh, early on, even Pittsburgh, that they should be able to right the ship heading into the playoffs. And I think that the Steelers have just a little tougher of a schedule um, that Baltimore should be able to edge them out for the division. And I think that could hold the Steelers back if they end up as a wild card. But I think that the Steelers are going to be better than Cleveland. I don't really trust the Browns after last season. I don't trust Baker Mayfield. And I think that the Bengals have a long way to go. Joe Burrow can add some excitement to that team. Maybe they can be better than 2-14, and 14, but I don't expect them to be that much better. 
Uh, but all that being said, I think that you know the Steelers, the biggest thing for them is being able to leapfrog the Ravens, and Ben's going to have to play at you know the the top of his game for that to happen. All right, so the uh, the final storyline that we want to talk about heading into the season, the Dallas Cowboys. So for the last ten years, they've been really much they've been held back by their head coach and Jason Garrett. He's finally gone. He's uh, left to take on the offensive coordinator role of their rival New York Giants, and he's been replaced by longtime Green Bay Packers head coach and Super Bowl forty five winner Mike McCarthy. Cowboys are loaded on offense. They they have so much talent on the defensive side of the ball as well, yet they've struggled to put things together with Garrett as their head coach. So does bringing in Mike McCarthy, is that what it's going to take for Dallas to finally reach their true potential on the field? Yeah, I, I love the Cowboys this year. And I think in out of all the sports, coaching matters more than any of I mean, and, and the NFL. It matters more in the NFL than any of the other sports. And they also added CeeDee Lamb to their offense, who was, in my opinion, the biggest steal of the draft. And he's not even going to be their first or second receiver because they already have Amari Cooper, my guy, and Michael Gallup as well, who I think is also a stud. And and then they're also, like you said, they're also loaded on defense. And they added Everson Griffin as well uh, to their to their front four. So I... I'm all about the Cowboys this year, especially now they got rid of uh, Jason Garrett. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to mention Alden Smith making a return to football for the Cowboys. Um, That's right. Sure, yeah. Too. yeah, I'm not exactly sure uh, what the 53-man roster looks like right now, like as far as exact cuts, but um, an exciting prospect at the very least. Although, I'm a, as much as I recognize all the talent that the Cowboys have on both sides of the uh, ball this year, for me, losing Jason Garrett and grabbing Mike McCarthy is like firing the, the head coach that you win in spite of and going and getting another coach that you win in spite of. And this is one of those things where it's difficult to really know, but my opinion of Mike McCarthy and Green Bay was they were winning because of Aaron Rodgers, not because of Mike McCarthy. And I still feel that way if they do well this season, or at least that's what I'm projecting, is that the Cowboys have enough raw talent that they can win, even if Mike McCarthy doesn't do anything spectacular. Um, But at the same time, it feels like you could have done more and gotten somebody who could do even more as like a head coach but it's hard for me to really put that into words i don't know exactly what he's going to do yet this fall yeah i pretty much agree with that because i mean mike mccarthy at least he has super bowl experience so we can we can agree that i think aaron Rodgers was helped the packers more than mike mccarthy but at least he's not completely useless like jason (laughs) garrett so i think just just getting rid of jason garrett and bringing someone that has pretty good coaching experience is definitely going to help their team yeah addition yeah. by subtraction by getting rid of garrett i think for exactly sure. yes. i mean I, I think is what it comes down to like the, uh, whether or not mike mccarthy is a huge upgrade over jason garrett i think he's an upgrade enough that he won't hold back the cowboys as much but at the same time dallas is going to struggle to put everything together on the field this year because their schedule is like it's 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 really difficult. I'm just gonna put it at that. Like I I was ready to say that Dallas was going to be super good this season, and then I look at this, and I'm just I'm really questioning. You know, they have to play the NFC West this year, and the AFC North, which you know obviously 
the the Giants and the Washington football team are they they they're not great teams. Um, the Eagles are really their biggest division rival here. But yeah, having to play all of those opponents, you know, they open the season at the Rams, who. You know the, the Rams are still a talented team. They they have to play the Seahawks early on in Week Three. They have a stretch where they play at the Eagles versus the Steelers, at the Vikings, and versus Washington on uh, Thursday Night Football. But then having to come out and play at the Ravens. They play the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football in Week 15, followed by the Eagles at home in Week 16. I think it's going to be difficult for Dallas to navigate the schedule. That being said, they have the talent to do that. So I can absolutely see the Cowboys being Super Bowl contenders this year. Um, so I, I have a, a bit of a fun fact here. So last season, the Cowboys went eight and eight. Uh, do you guys want to take a guess as to what the Cowboys record was when they scored 30 or more points in a game last season? Uh, undefeated four. No, <laughs> they went eight and oh. and <laughs> what was their record when they scored? Not just fewer than 30, fewer than 24. Oh, and eight. Oh, the Cowboys offense is clicking. They're going to win games. Like they have the ability to outscore people, but they had so many times last year where Dak Prescott faltered, you know, whether it was because he was on the road, just playing in tough conditions and it just hurt that offense. And, you know, we saw that like last year, it's kind of an incredible statistic. The Cowboys couldn't win games that were low scoring. They, they had to put points on the board. I think this team is capable of putting points on the board, especially adding in CeeDee Lamb, like you mentioned. On defense, Everson Griffin picking up late. I think he's going to be a really solid signing. I don't know what to expect from Alden Smith and Randy Gregory after all their time off, but anything they can add to that Cowboys pass rush would be great. Uh, you know, of course, they, they still have Sean Lee back there, still holding it on as like one of their veterans. But then Demarcus Lawrence is, is one of the better pass rushes in the league. Uh, they lost Byron Jones at cornerback. I think that their secondary could be a little weak. But overall, this is definitely a Super Bowl contending team. They, they face a really difficult schedule. They're a team that you know they're going to have to adjust to a new head coach who should be an upgrade. I mean, to me, the, when I just look at everything that comes together, I feel like the Dallas Cowboys are a team with a really high ceiling. They're going to avoid that 8-8, eight and eight, but I don't really see them being better than a 10-6 and six team that loses in the divisional round this year. Um, I think that... You know the the Cowboys have a ton of potential. Like I'm I'm ready to say they should be a Super Bowl team, but I I just think that there's there's enough going against them that I I can't this year. Okay, so uh, with that, let's let's move on to our next segment, and that is burning questions. We're we're bringing this one back, and uh, we have we have two burning questions, and those are which team is under the most pressure to succeed in 2020 and which player is under the most pressure to succeed in 2020 so ben how about you start us off with your team okay and i'm i obviously would want to go with the buccaneers here uh, because of all the things surrounding that team but we've talked enough about them so i'm going to talk about another nfc south team uh, and that's the saints and the drew Brees era has to end eventually okay and this team has seen absolutely devastating ends to postseason runs in the last few years um if they want to cash in on drew Brees once more it has to be now they need to get all they can out of him one super bowl i mean one super bowl is more than most quarterbacks ever get but 
you would hope that a, a talent, generational talent like Drew Brees, would be able to get you more than one championship. And um, I think that they need to decide what that's going to be because what do you have after him? You know, do you really want to move on to Jameis Winston? Um, I think the Saints need to make it past the devastating, embarrassing, uh, you know, end of season that they keep on having, uh, and finally make it to the end this year. Yeah, I mean, it really does feel like it's the last chance for the Saints. So, you know, Drew Brees is flirting with retirement. I can't imagine he comes back, and I don't really know what they're going to move on to at the quarterback position. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that seems like a perfect answer there. Brian? So the Saints were my first team. <laughs> so I'll go with my backup. My the other team, I another team I think has a ton of pressure on them to succeed is the Green Bay Packers. Now. They also have another quarterback that's also, I don't want to say closer to retirement than Drew Brees, but he's Aaron Rodgers definitely on the back nine of his career. And so the window for them is definitely closing as well. And this offseason, we talked about the draft, uh, about the Packers draft and how bad it was and the fact that they didn't add a single receiver from the draft in one of the most loaded receiver drafts is pretty terrible, to be honest. And and they made all they made it all the way to the NFC Championship game, but ended up getting blown out by the Niners. And they've lost what I think three now straight NFC Championship games. Not three consecutive years, but three of the last I think like six years they've lost in the NFC Championship game. And I I just think their window is getting smaller and smaller by the year. So Green Bay Packers I think have the one of the most pressured team one of the most pressured teams in the NFL in my opinion. So I was also going to go with the Saints um, for, for my answer here. Um, I, I thought for sure that the Bucks would already be chosen by the time I went around. You know, I know we talked about them earlier, but if it's not the Saints, I think the Bucks are in a pretty similar spot because Tom Brady is 43 years old. It, it doesn't feel like they, they have any longer of a window past this season to you know, get to where they want to go. And after all the moves they made, I think it would just be a total disaster if this team doesn't make it to the playoffs. And like I said, I don't think they need to win a Super Bowl just to, you know, make their fan base happy. But they're not going to win a Super Bowl next year. Like, I, I can totally see this being the same as Brett Favre in Minnesota, where 2009, his first year there, he's, he's really good. He still has a lot left in him. He's breaking records. He leads the Vikings to the NFC Championship game right on the door of the Super Bowl. And then 2019, he gets hurt and totally falls off. Uh, and I can absolutely see the same thing happening with Tom Brady in Tampa. So to me, I, I think it's, it's totally reasonable to say that the Bucs are under pressure to succeed. Whether it's winning a Super Bowl or just you know getting to the playoffs, giving this team hope, and you know just making it seem worthwhile, all these bringing in all these veterans because Bruce Arians isn't going to be the coach in Tampa forever, and Rob Gronkowski, who knows what you know how much he really has left after already coming out of retirement once. So you know Leonard Fournette, they only brought him in for one year. Like it, it does really kind of feel like this Bucks team needs to achieve a a high amount of success this year. So NFC South, I mean, those two teams, the Bucs and the Saints, I, I think are absolutely in that conversation. Yeah, I, I would have picked the Saints one and Bucks two, but because we Ben Murray brought the Saints and we talked about the Bucs uh, uh, plenty enough, I went with the Packers three. But yeah, I think I, I do I, agree that Saints and Bucks are one and two there. Packers are definitely a good answer there as well. Um, so I guess let's move on to which players most need to succeed. So Ben, you want to get us started? 
Sure. And um, I, for me, it's Lamar Jackson. And I think it's interesting to look at the way he's been, uh, the expectations people have had for him throughout his NFL, his time in the NFL so far. Because initially there was discussion as to whether or not he should even play quarterback. He's much better as a wide receiver, people said, even though he definitely killed the game in college football as a quarterback. But then he comes in, he has relative success, and now, well, he's a running back, actually. So coming into this past season, don't expect him to be a good passer. Expect him to run the ball, and his success hinges on teams being able to stop the unique style of offense they run in Baltimore, right? Then this past season, Lamar Jackson blows up, does everything. He's the best quarterback, MVP. He's amazing, okay? What can we expect from him this season? And I think a lot of people are going to be pie in the sky. Lamar Jackson is the MVP, and he'll continue to do that. Um, and, uh, you know, history tells us he'll likely regress to the mean and be, maybe not match those numbers a second year in a row. Um, so I think just as a result of having higher expectations than ever before, Lamar Jackson has a lot of pressure to succeed in 2020 and follow up that MVP campaign. So I think the player that has the most pressure out of anyone this year is a quarterback in the same division, but not Lamar Jackson. I think that that goes to Baker Mayfield, and he's been in the league for a couple years now, and his first year was pretty good, but last year was a disaster, and they've definitely have upgraded their offense uh, this past offseason, and really the past two offseasons. They have Odell and Jarvis Landry leading the receiving core. And then they have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt leading it for their running back core. And then they they signed Jack Conklin uh, to a three-year, $42 million deal. And they also drafted Jedrick Wills in the first round as well to help their offensive line. So if, if, if we're waiting for a Baker Mayfield breakout year, this has to be the year. Because if he disappoints again, uh, I'd be looking for another quarterback in the offseason, whether that's signing one, trading for one, or... Uh, drafting one yeah so I think those are both great answers you know as a Steelers fan I hope that both Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield fail to meet expectations and you know falter under that pressure when I look at Lamar I feel like the biggest thing for him is the playoff success I still believe even if he's not an MVP this year he'll he'll still have the regular season success Baker I'm not as big on but I, I do think he's under a lot of pressure that being said the guy that I think is under the most pressure is another quarterback from that 2018 NFL draft class and that is Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills and the reason why I put Allen above both of those guys and really anyone else in the league is because you know as crazy as it sounds the Buffalo Bills are Super Bowl contenders their defense is arguably the best in football you know they have a ton of great weapons on offense. We saw how good they could be last year when they made it to the postseason as a wild card in the AFC and threatened the Patriots for the division title. This year, you know, so many people are saying Buffalo is going to win the AFC East. They're going to be right up there. Like I've seen some people predicting them to finish as high as the number one seed. But all that's going to come down to is Josh Allen really a great quarterback in this league. He hasn't completed more than 60% of his passes either of the past two seasons. Last year, he barely threw for 3,000 yards, let alone even coming close to the 4,000-yard standard that we like to hold quarterbacks to. 85.3 passer rating. That's simply not good enough 
for him to be anything more than like a game manager who maybe rides a coattail to a Super Bowl appearance. And I think that there's just so many talented teams in the league that the only way for the Bills to actually be a Super Bowl contender is if Josh Allen plays at a high level. And if we see something like Mitch Trubisky in Chicago where he takes a huge step backward, we could be looking at next year Buffalo bringing in legitimate competition to him, kind of like the Bears are doing with Nick Foles. So uh, to me, Josh Allen's under the most pressure to succeed just because his team can be a Super Bowl contender, but they need him to you know, play to his first-round pick potential for that to happen. Yeah, I mean, the Dolphins and Jets, by all accounts, still suck. And the Patriots, <laughs> yeah. the Patriots are more vulnerable than we've ever seen them. So now is the time for Josh Allen to step up. I think that's a great pick. Yeah. I, I mean, love I all, that, all those answers. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I think that you're, you, Brian, picking the Packers as your uh, most uh, team that needs to succeed the most is interesting because my backup answer for which player was Aaron Rodgers. Because, you know, as much as like maybe their window with Rodgers is closing, it seems like Matt LaFour loves Jordan Love, their first round pick. Uh, they're ready to hand the reins over to him. So I think that Rodgers is under more pressure to succeed, prove that he still has it. He's still one of the top quarterbacks in the league, especially after not being all that great the past few seasons. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that your guys under the most pressure are going to be quarterbacks. So it's not surprising that that's, that's where we all kind of went in that direction. All right, so that was the burning question. Uh, let's move on to our next segment, which is, so last year, um, you know, throughout August, we did divisional previews every week leading up to the season. As part of that, we said, who was the biggest impact or biggest player joining that division who's going to have the biggest impact on his team? Uh, you know, we, we aren't going to go through and do that for, you know, everyone this year. It would take way too long. But we, we went out and identified three players each that we expect to have a, a big impact on whether or not their team is successful that are you know coming to their their new organizations. So Ben, how about you get us started with your three guys? Okay, so the first of my three guys is Philip Rivers, who now joins the Colts. And last season, it was a big shame that the Colts didn't have a better quarterback because their offensive line is so amazing, one of the best in the, in the entire league. And I'm, I've always been a big fan of Phillip Rivers. I think he's a character. He has so many kids. He doesn't say any swear words, even though he's one of the biggest trash talkers in the league. I think he's a really cool guy. And I also think he's a really talented quarterback who can sling it in his own unique way where I don't know how he gets the ball to travel that far with that throwing motion but um, I think that the key here is that they're fully going to be utilizing the pass blocking ability of that amazing offensive line um, and I think that Philip Rivers has at least a year left that he can help make this Colts offense um, more productive to match uh, how good their defense has been now let me switch it over to my next player who's also a Colt and that's DeForest Buckner and we talked about him um, a few months back when he was first uh, acquired by the Colts, but uh, that Colts defense is good, and now it's headlined by like a legitimate top tier player at all three levels of the defense. Because uh, you've got in the secondary, you've got Malik Hooker and the linebacking core. You got Darius Leonard, one of the best linebackers in football, and then now on that defensive line, you've got it anchored by DeForest Buckner, who may or may not be the best 
player the 49ers had on that amazing defensive line last season. Uh, and he's in the middle of his prime. He's 26 years old. Uh, DeForest Buckner is going to make a huge impact, and I think it will make that Colts defense take uh, the next step forward uh, to be like a truly elite unit. And um, so, yeah, I think that those two acquisitions by the Colts are huge and going to help them become a much better football team for at least the next year. Uh, and then my third one is Chase Young to the Redskins. And the reason this one kind of le- leapt out at me, I know that the Redskins' success this year is not Washington football team. Probably all that important. Yes, I should say that. Uh, not the, their new team, the Washington football team. Chase Young is joining an already stacked defensive line. That's Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Matt Ioannidis, Montez Sweat. And I think he's going to play a similar role to what Nick Bosa did for the 49ers defensive line, uh, where it's the, you know, the extra pour that makes the cup overflow, where suddenly there's just too much talent coming at the offensive line for them to stop it all. And it's going to allow him or maybe somebody else to really produce uh, because you can't double everybody. So, uh, and, and Chase Young is the type of talent where you can bring him in year one and immediately be successful. So I think that he's, while the Washington football team's successes this year will probably be a footnote on the 2020 season, I still think Chase Young is going to make a huge impact in at least that defensive line success, if not for the defense in general. Yeah, so Chase Young is looking to become the uh, fourth Ohio State graduate to uh win defensive rookie of the year in the past five seasons Uh, i I definitely think he has a really good shot of doing that Uh, philip rivers though interesting pick there i thought about including him i ended up saving him for you Um, i'm of the opinion that philip rivers is not going to be great for the colts that he struggled last season in the chargers and that it's only going to be worse but the colts have a super talented team and if i'm wrong then that team has a really good shot of winning the division and having a lot of playoff success so i think that's that's kind of the ultimate answer here who's gonna have a big impact philip rivers if he's great the colts could be great if he sucks then the colts are gonna have a long season agree brian you want to go ahead with your list yeah so the first guy on my list is emmanuel sanders and the Saints are, I think, in my opinion, they're desperate for another for a number two receiver after Michael Thomas. Now, I know they have Alvin Kamara and Jared Cook, who are obviously, well, Alvin Kamara is great. Jared Cook is a pretty decent tight end. But when it comes to their, their wide receiver core, after Michael Thomas, it's been shaky over the years. I've been waiting for Traquan Smith to break out for, uh, for a while now, and it still hasn't happened. Uh, Ted Ginn was... He wasn't that great when he was with the Saints. And so for Sanders to come into New Orleans uh, after seeing what he did with the Niners uh, in the second half of last season where the Niners and Saints, when they played each other, Emmanuel Sanders was just awesome in that game. And I've, I've always been a big fan of him uh, Whether when he, when he started with Pittsburgh, when he was with Denver, and then eventually traded the Niners. I've always been a big fan. And I think he's just... He's fast, he's tough, and I I think the Saints are just desperate for that number two receiver on their team. So I, I love that signing for the Saints. And my second uh, second guy on my list is Calais Campbell, uh, who is now with the Ravens. And you can make a case that after outside of maybe the Steelers and Niners, I think the Ravens were one of the one of the best defenses uh, in the regular season last year. 
But after watching their one playoff game versus the Titans, Derrick Henry, your guy Ben, ran all over uh, the Ravens defense, and it was a pretty convincing win by the Titans, and and the Ravens still look like they have more work to do if they want to win a Super Bowl. So getting Calais Campbell, uh, multiple-time Pro Bowler, is definitely going to be an upgrade for their defense. And for my last one, I went with Trent Williams, uh, trade to the nine, traded from the Reds, excuse me, the Washington Football Team to the San Francisco 49ers. And I'm sure you remember Ben uh, during when it was upcoming to the draft, uh, Joe Staley decided to retire. So that was going to be a huge hole for at left tackle if they didn't get anyone. And so they decided to get Trent Williams, uh, a disgruntled uh, left tackle. Uh, for good reason, though, being with the Washington football team for the past few years and how much of a disaster they are and missing all of last season. So I think him coming to the Niners is going to be – it's just huge for them because if they didn't have Joe Steele, it would have been – it would have hurt the running game and maybe – and also Jimmy's blind side as well. Yeah, and – you know, just going back to your Calais Campbell, like that's a scary acquisition for the Ravens. You know, they they didn't have too many holes on that roster, and uh, Campbell definitely addresses one of them. So uh, that's another reason to to be really high on on Baltimore's chances this year. So I'll uh, wrap things up with my list, and uh, the first thing I'm going to talk about Jamal Adams. So last season. You know, we, we talked about some of the best defenses, New England, Pittsburgh, San Francisco, Baltimore. The New York Jets actually had the seventh best defense when it came to total yardage. And Jamal Adams is the best player on that defense was certainly a huge part of that success. On the flip side, the Seahawks were the seventh worst. So Jamal Adams, Seattle gave up a lot to get him. Two first round picks as well as trading incumbent safety Bradley McDougald, who was a really solid player. Um, I think Adams is certainly going to be an upgrade, but if Seattle is going to get themselves back to where you know we were used to seeing them in the mid 2000s when they had that vaunted Legion of Boom defense, one of the best in the leagues, going to the Super Bowl, uh, Jamal Adams is going to have to be absolutely worth everything that they gave up. Uh, he's going to have to make that defense be so much better than we've seen the past few seasons. We know how good Russell Wilson is. We know how good that Seahawks team can be. They play in a tough division. Of course, the 49ers just went to the Super Bowl. The Rams went to the Super Bowl the year before that. The Arizona Cardinals got better. Seattle's going to need to also you know, make an ascent this season on the defensive side of the ball. Jamal Adams is going to have to be a key piece. And if he's not and you know the Seahawks continue to struggle – then that not only makes them bad in the future or in the presence, but it, it makes their future really, uh, really sketchy. Not having those first round picks and you know having to probably pay Jamal Adams a lot more than maybe he's really worth uh, to make that trade worth it. So uh, to me, he's he's a guy that's going to have a huge impact on Seattle this year. Uh, my number two guy here is Stephon Diggs for the Bills. So I talked about Josh Allen needing to step up this season, needing to you know be successful for the Bills to be a Super Bowl contender. Diggs just makes that offense so much better and should make it uh, even even easier for Allen to have success. We saw how good John Brown was last year's big addition in free agency when uh, you know Josh Allen was thrown on the ball. Now you get Stephon Diggs, who as much of a headache as he's been off the field for the Vikings in recent seasons, he's really good on the field. He's going to be 
a top receiver for this team and he's going to have that success and I think if the Bills are going to really reach the next level Diggs is going to have to play to the Pro Bowl caliber he's capable of and um, I absolutely expect him to do that and then my final guy here we talked about him uh, you know back at the top of the show and that's Clyde Edwards Hilaire for the Kansas City Chiefs Andy Reid loves running backs. He's going to make the most out of his first-round pick, Damian Williams, who uh, was great in the Super Bowl, really solid for the Chiefs last year at at, uh, the running back position down the stretch, is being replaced by this guy who was awesome at LSU. And I think he has the potential to be just another bonus to this Chiefs offense and just keep that well-oiled machine running. So uh, to me, if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire can play at, you know, like be one of the best rookies in the league, then the, the Chiefs' offense is just going to be even more explosive than uh, we've we've come to see them. Yeah, that pick was definitely a the rich get richer kind of pick, where it's like, oh, okay, well, I guess you can afford to take a guy like that then, yeah. because <laughs> what else are you going to do? Just keep getting better. Yep, yep, and um, and at the same time as he can make the Chiefs better. I think that there's a lot of uh, fantasy relevance with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I recently used a first-round pick on him, so I absolutely hope that he uh, he does have a huge impact on that Chiefs offense. Yeah, if 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 you let him go two picks away, I, I would have been happy with him. But <laughs> unfortunately, that was not the case. Yeah, he was not getting past me. All right, so uh, let's, let's move on to our next segment, and that is um, over-under picks. So we're going to use oddshark.com where they have their list of projected win totals for all 32 NFL teams and we're going to go ahead and give our top three best over under picks this season got to include at least one over and one under so Ben how about you start off with your first three okay so they had the Houston Texans at 7.5 wins and I'm confidently taking the over on that one I think Deshaun Watson, despite losing, uh, despite losing Hopkins, <laughs> I still think that Deshaun Watson can will his team to some victories there and go over at least 500, if not more. Um, so I'm taking the over on the Houston Texans at 7.5. Next, we have the Chicago Bears with 8.5 wins, and I'm confidently taking the under. Oh my gosh, I don't care who ends up. Uh, at quarterback I just do not have any positive feelings about them I mean especially if it's Trubisky but even Nick Foles um, I think that they're in real trouble in Chicago so I'm taking the under uh, for Chicago Bears 8.5 and then Kansas City Chiefs 11.5 wins I'm taking the over Um, I like we talked about earlier I don't see the Chiefs slowing down at all and uh yeah, I like their chances to get at least 12 wins this season, so I'm taking the over. All right, Brian. All right, so my first one, I went with, uh, so Detroit is at, listed at, <clears throat> excuse me, Detroit is listed at six and a half. I actually like the over. Now, I know Detroit has basically sucked for for several years, but this is Matt Patricia, Patricia's last year to really prove it for them, and if if the Lions were to have another bad season, he's definitely going to lose. He's definitely going to lose his job. And this offseason, they added Jeff Okuda uh, in the draft, third overall, uh, to replace Darius Slay. 
And they also added Danny Shelton, Jamie Collins, and Daron Harmon, all Patriots guys that Matt Patricia is really familiar with. And he already added Trey Flowers last year, another guy that he he's familiar with uh, with the Patriots when he was there. I just think, the, and another thing about the Lions is that they're also going to have Matthew Stafford back and let's hope that he can stay healthy for 16 games. And if he does stay healthy for 16 games, I... I'm not saying I'm not saying I love absolutely love the Lions' chances of making the playoffs or anything, but six and a half, I I think they can at least win seven, maybe eight or nine games. So I went with Detroit over over six and a half as my first one. My second one is the New York Jets are listed at seven. Seriously, the New York Jets are listed at seven. Yeah, there's no chance that they're going to win seven <laughs> games this year. I will gladly take the under and if you look at their defense you, Corey you just talked about how great they were defensively last year they just lost Jamal Adams and CJ Mosley uh Jamal Adams to the Seahawks in a trade and CJ Mosley opting out so I don't how are the Jets gonna win seven games if they don't have their their two best defensive players and and then when you look at the offensive side of the ball uh now, I talked about Baker Mayfield having more pressure than anyone uh, out of anyone this year. Look at the quarter, look at uh, Sam Darnold, quarterback from that same draft class. He's been pretty so so throughout his career. And if he were to have another bad year, I would I would think about looking at an, for another quarterback after the season if he doesn't pan out. Uh, and then their receiving core, it's what Jamison Crowder and Denzel Mims and it it's just it just looks abysmal for them. I don't I don't see how they win seven games. I don't I, I don't get that line at all. So I went with the Jets under seven. And then my last one, I went with so the Vikings are listed at nine. Uh I like the under for the Vikings. I think the Stefan Diggs losing Stefan Diggs is gonna be really huge for the or well, I think it's going to really hurt the Vikings, in my opinion, because it's really just Adam Thielen, and you're re- relying on Ola B.C. Johnson and uh, J- uh, Justin Jefferson, rookie Justin Jefferson, to help Kirk Cousins out. And then on defense, they lost Xavier Rhodes, Everson Griffin, and Trey Waynes. I don't now Xavier Rhodes wasn't that great, but just not having just not having him uh, on their defense is, I think, will at least hurt their defense a little bit. I, I just think the eight and a half is, or excuse me, nine is a little too high for the Vikings. So I would take the under for them. So those are my three teams. So uh, my first pick was uh, the same as Ben. Uh, Houston Texans over seven and a half. I, I, I do think that DeAndre Hopkins is a big loss, but Deshaun Watson just got his, his big four year, $160 million extension. He got that for a reason. The Texans are still going to be good enough that they're going to be playoff contenders and finish at least 500. So I agree with you on that one, Ben. Um, from there, you know, I guess I'll, I'll do three unique ones. So Los Angeles Rams under nine wins. I think that the Rams are in a world of hurt in the future, and I think it's going to start this season. We saw them fall off from 13-win Super Bowl team to 9-7 and last year, and I think that the NFC West is going to be much better this year with Arizona improving as well. Um, I just I think that the Rams are, are going to severely struggle this year to the point where even getting to 500 is going to be difficult for them, so I'm that, definitely going under 9. That yeah. was, in case one of you, in case Ben took the Rams 
uh, under nine and a half. I, that was my back. That was my backup in case if uh, Ben took one of my three ones, my top three ones. Just, just thought I mentioned. Yeah. That. I do agree with everything you said. That their 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 schedule is definitely gonna be tough. And I, I'm, you know, you guys know how much I hate Jared Goff as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's incredible how the whole league was like hiring coaches to be like Sean McVay and just to see where the Rams have gone so quickly. Uh, so, I mean, they're, they're a team that I thought about saying is like being under the most pressure to succeed for that reason. But yeah, under nine. Um, when I look at the AFC West, I see the Denver Broncos, the Los Angeles Chargers and the Las Vegas Raiders all at seven and a half wins as their total. I think at least one of those teams goes over and a team that I'm really high on this year that I'm going to go with is the Denver Broncos. I think that Denver added a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball, uh, particularly by drafting Jerry Judy and um, KJ Hamler uh, with their first two picks to join Cortland Sutton in the receiving core. Noah Fant, their first round pick in 2019, is going to be a year older. Uh, they also added Melvin Gordon to join Philip Lindsay, which gives them a really strong one-two punch on offense. And then defense, they still anchored by Vaughn Miller. Bradley Chubb makes them a fearsome pass rush duo. Uh, I really like the Broncos to be successful this year. So over seven and a half, that's one that I'm really big on. And then my third one, uh, Cincinnati Bengals under five and a half the Bengals were really bad last year I think Joe Burrow is going to give them a bit of a spark I think that they can find themselves above two and 14 but I don't see them getting the six wins I think that their offensive line is too many holes their defense has some issues Um, they they brought in Trey Waynes who uh, Brian mentioned from Minnesota and I'm pretty sure he's out for the season I don't remember if he got injured or opted out but that right there becomes a huge loss for them so to me i think that the bengals are still going to struggle we'll maybe see them win a few more games this year but i i don't think that they win more than four or five another thing that really hurts uh, I, as much as i like joe burrow being a rookie quarterback and not having any or well, i don't want to say any but very limited offseason reps given that covid has really limited the obviously taken out wiped out the preseason but also kind of hurt uh training camp wise so i mm-hmm. yeah i i'm kind of with you on that one yeah i agree i mean he's the only rookie quarterback who's being thrown in the fire week one and i, I think that it's it's going to lead to some early struggles for him all right so with that let's uh let's get ready to wrap things up with our uh you know final prediction for the season you can go bold you know come out with uh awards Playoff predictions, you know, some guys you expect to do well, struggle, you know, however we want to go about this. So let's uh, let's kind of go through. Uh, let's let's start off with um, some players that you're either really high on, really down on. Whether you want to go out and give awards or you know just anything like that. So let let's let's go with that. And Ben, how about you throw out a player or two that uh, you're you're willing to talk about here and make a prediction on their season. Well, I know that we've talked a lot of trash about him on this podcast so far, but I think Baker Mayfield's going to have a bounce back year. I think um, that Baker has, you know, I know they had the same thing last year. There's always the overhype with the Browns, um, but this year they've definitely had less of that spotlight on them. And I think Baker Mayfield's a really good quarterback. I think there's a reason he has a Heisman Trophy. He doesn't have an excuse of not having weapons. And his offensive line, you know, seems to have gotten substantially better. So I know that it doesn't make sense to ever have good, high expectations of the Browns, but I'll just say specifically Baker, I think is going to bounce back and return to a little bit more of what we saw his first season. 
I've actually been going back and forth on the Browns uh, this entire offseason. At times, I think they're going to be a playoff team. Like last year, they were terrible. We we're overhyping them. And now this year, there's left pressure. They're going to meet those expectations. But, you know, I'm going to go ahead and go bold on the opposite side of the spectrum with Baker Mayfield and say that he is, before the end of the season, he's going to be benched for Kevin Stefanski's guy, Case Keenum and that Keenum is going to effectively end the Baker Mayfield era in Cleveland because wow. Keenum Keenum was Savansky's quarterback in 2017 in Minnesota. I think he brought him in because he he trusts him and Baker looked great his rookie season. A lot of things went wrong for Cleveland last year and I think not having as much of a training camp, not much of an offseason is going to be uh detrimental to that team. I could not agree more with Corey on that one Baker Mayfield sucks that that is my take on him and <laughs> even though they had many up have had many upgrades within their offense uh whether that's at receiver or in their offensive line even a coaching upgrade now that they got rid of Freddie Kitchens who was a complete disaster last year it should be good for Baker Mayfield but I'm I'm just not a Baker Mayfield guy and I agree that Kevin Stefanski bringing in Case Keenum is not just to back uh Baker Mayfield up it's to eventually bring him in mid-season in my opinion so I, I i disagree with ben on and agree with you Corey, on baker mayfield well we, we did say bold you know i think yes. a lot of people <laughs> would agree with you guys but um i'm partial to baker i saw him play when i was living in oklahoma i think he's still got it uh, but we'll <laughs> have to see um, so sticking with AFC North quarterbacks, I'm, I'm just going to you know, jump right in and give a, a bold prediction on my guy, Ben Roethlisberger. So not only do I think he wins NFL comeback player of the year, I think his performance this season is going to be strong enough that uh, he finds himself in the top five of the MVP race. I think that, you know, I mean, that, that's really what needs to happen for the Steelers to be Super Bowl contenders. And I, I truly believe that they're Super Bowl contenders uh, because I'm, I'm high on Ben Roethlisberger. So I'm just going to go all in on him and say that he's going to be a Pro Bowl quarterback this year. He's going to play at an elite level and do what he needs to do for the Steelers to have a shot against teams like Baltimore and Kansas City in the AFC. So I... I, I love the Cowboys this year in terms of their success. I think they're going to be one of the best teams in the NFL. And I've talked obsessively about how much I love Amari Cooper. But I one guy that I really like for the offense and to break out this year is Michael Gallup. I think, and Mike McCarthy has talked about this offseason that Michael Gallup would be a number one receiver on other teams if he weren't here. And uh, I, I think I think he's ready to break out, and I think he can. I don't I don't want to say he can outperform Cooper, but I think he can come close to the, his production. I, I'm a believer in him. And with that being said, I my I don't know if this is bold or not. Be, he's definitely not the favorite, but my pick to win MVP this year is Dak Prescott. I think with how great their offense is, I think is going to look this year with with the pieces around him. And given that, I don't want to say it's a, I think it's kind of a is it contract year. I mean, he, I know he signed the franchise, but I think this year is he's going to prove that he belongs in the the class of, uh, I don't want to say better than Mahomes, but I think he can come closer to that tier of Mahomes and Russell Wilson. And I'm, again, because I'm high on the Cowboys and because quarterbacks usually typically win the MVP award. I'm going to say uh, Dak Prescott is my MVP uh, choice this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm keeping my Cowboys predictions in check this year. 
Um, but I, I absolutely do think that if, if they're super successful, Dak Prescott will be right up there in the MVP race and has a really good chance of winning it. It is a contract year for him. He's got to prove it. You know, Deshaun Watson just got that $40 million year contract that Dak Prescott thought he could get. And uh, if he wins the MVP, he'll certainly prove that he'd be worth all of that money and more. So, I mean, I guess going from there, Ben, uh, who's your MVP pick for this year? Uh, it's not super bold um but i picked Mahomes. yeah <laughs> yeah that i don't think that's bold <laughs> no <laughs> okay well can i go with a really bold mvp pick so the uh if you look at the past three years so last year you had lamar jackson who uh won mvp in his second year as a quarterback he came into the season where there were a lot of questions about him. There wasn't a whole lot of MVP buzz and hype around him, and he immediately proved that he is you know, one of the best quarterbacks in this league, just a truly transcendent talent. 2018, Patrick Mahomes, even though it was, it was only his first year as a starter, it was still his second year in the league, and he was someone who everyone knew that the Chiefs had a ton of talent, and Mahomes there were a lot of questions about, and he obviously proved so many people wrong with his MVP season. Uh, and then even before that, in 2017, he tore his ACL down the stretch that cost him a chance at MVP. But Carson Wentz was the prohibitive favorite before that injury. 2016, he showed signs of being a competent quarterback in this league, but I don't think anyone would have predicted that 2017 leap right away. So that's a theme we're seeing of guys who make strong leaps in their second year to win MVP. I already there, know there are two guys that I'm between, um, but you know I, I already talked about this team, and I'm just going to come out and say it, and if I'm right, then I'm going to go down as a legend, and I'm going to say Drew Locke MVP, because oh, God. <laughs> I, I think that the Broncos have so much talent on their offense. It's between him and Kyler Murray. I just think that Kyler Murray has too much competition within his own division and within his conference. I think that the AFC is kind of up for grabs beyond Kansas City and Baltimore. So I'm just going to go out and say if Drew Locke has a phenomenal season and Denver finds themselves as like a 10-win team that makes the playoffs, then I absolutely think that he is capable of winning the MVP award. Now, that being said, the Broncos play the Steelers week two, the same week that the Chiefs played the Steelers in 2018. Patrick Mahomes had six touchdowns and basically it was like, all right, yeah, this guy's a real deal. So I'm, I'm a little nervous about that now that I might be kind of jinxing myself with this one. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm just going to come out and say Drew Locke MVP. I feel like Kyler Murray would also be a bold prediction, but less bold. So I'm, I'm just, I'm going to put it out there and uh, we'll see. I'm probably going to be horribly wrong and Drew Locke's going to suck this year. But, uh, you know, I, I, I want to have a bold take just to run with. So he's a lock to win MVP this year. He's <laughs> not a lock to win MVP. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that so, is bold. Yeah. Um, in terms of other awards, so not bold pick, Chase Young wins Defensive Rookie of the Year. Like I said, fourth Ohio State player in five years. And I don't know if this is really a bold one, but I'm really high on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire this year, and I think that he's going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. It's I, I was going to say the same thing for Offensive Rookies Rookie of the Year as well. So I, I don't. It's probably not bold. If I was no, gonna I mean, say. well, I guess I'm just kind of looking at it as last year, Kyler Murray first overall pick. The year before that, Saquon Barkley was the second overall pick. They both won Rookie of the Year. And CBA, I just she's still the first round. I, I, but. I, I, I think it would have it comes down comes down to him and Joe Burrow unless if someone else comes in the mix uh, out of nowhere. But like I talked about before, I think I think Joe Burrow. I don't want to say he'll suck this year, but I think he'll have some struggles given how the off season has panned out. 
So I'm yeah, and Clyde Edwards Lair is in a perfect environment uh with Kansas City's offense. So I, I do agree with that as Clyde Edwards Lair uh should win rookie of the year. Uh offensive rookie of the year. I think uh Jerry Judy is gonna be offensive rookie of the year when Drew Locke yeah. uh makes him <laughs> the greatest wide receiver in the entire league. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I could absolutely see that. And honestly, he probably needs to be rookie of the year for uh, for Drew Locke to really, you know, have those MVP type numbers. Um, I think, you know, just focusing on the quarterback side, I don't think he's going to get enough starts to win rookie of the year. But my prediction for the best rookie quarterback is Tua Tagovailoa. And I think I've had a lot of concerns about just the injury he suffered last year, what Miami's going to do with him. I think ultimately they're going to give him the reins and he's just going to come out and prove that he is the all-world talent that so many people have thought he was since that uh, college football playoff championship game victory over Georgia. And, you know, I, I don't think that the Dolphins are going to be that great this year. I think they're, you know, they, they have a ceiling of being a playoff team if Tua is truly elite right away. Uh, but I think that he's going to show enough promise to say, hey, you know, Buffalo, like it, it's not a one team division like New England. You got to figure this out because the Dolphins are, are here to stay with Tua Tagovailoa. All right. Any other um, player predictions or you know award predictions? Uh, I'll just throw this one out there. Not necessarily bold, but I think Aaron Donald wins another Defensive Player of the Year. Just get, I'm going to just say it, just in case it happens, so I can say I predicted it. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fair. Um, I like T.J. Watt to win Defensive Player of the Year this year. I think in some senses he was robbed by you know Stephon Gilmore's you know being on the Patriots but you know I think that, that this is the year for TJ Watt and uh gonna turn it into a huge contract all right so I guess I have to predict defensive player of the year as well all right um I'll go bold and I don't I don't know how bold this is but I'll go with Jamal Adams twin defensive player of the year I think the Seahawks okay. are the Seahawks last year yes they made the divisional round and almost made it to the MC championship game but lost to Green Bay but Let's face it, they relied mostly, most of that was relying on Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett, and Chris Carson in their offense uh, to to win these games. Not not much not much so with their defense, and the one guy that, that really helped their defense last year was Clowney, and he's not there anymore. So I think Jamal Adams is, is great, and I think the Seahawks have been trying to find a, a big hitting safety for for some time now after losing Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor. So I think I think Jamal Adams can have a massive year, especially not being he put up that the production he had, he helped the Jets become a top ten defense, like basically by himself. I mean, just think about it. It's really it was really just him and CJ mostly. And now he gets to go to a team that's a much better playoff contender than the Jets. So I think I it's just a it's kind of kind of a bold prediction, but I'll go with Jamal Adams for defensive player of the year. All right. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, he's going to be a huge impact player uh, for Seattle this year. And if, if he wins defensive player of the year, then I think the Seahawks are going to uh, really be uh, up there in the Super Bowl conversation. All right. So let's move on to, uh, you know, team predictions and, you know, any any big predictions you want to make in terms of who is getting into the field of 14 this year with the two extra playoff teams uh, who or who will be left out I'll go with the Patriots not making the playoffs 
Yeah, I I just think there are way too many holes on really both sides of the ball now. I mean, offensively, they were pretty poor last year, and defensively, they were awesome, but they've lost so many pieces, and to to rely on some of these rookies to be already starters and impact players is uh, is kind of... It's it's shaky. I don't I don't love the situation that they're in after after Devin McCourty, it gets it really drops pretty big after after him in terms of skill and veteran presence on their defense. And then I've talked already about how concerned I am about their offense. Uh, after I mean I mean Cam Newton, it's great that he's here, but in terms of guys guys to throw to, I don't love their choices after Edelman. So I will say, bull call the Patriots miss the playoffs. This is kind of doubling down on what I've already said, but I've my bold pick is the Buccaneers winning the NFC South, um, which I think is going to be tough. Oh, I think it's going to go right for them, but that's how I see it all boiling down is that the uh, Buccaneers will get that. Maybe they'll be the fourth seed, but they'll be the winner of the NFC South. So, I mean, I, I, it, it feels crazy to say. I don't feel like picking the Patriots to miss the playoffs is that bold of a prediction, but um, I, I, I piggyback off Brian and say that the Patriots are going to miss the playoffs this year as well. Um, my AFC playoffs, I think really the only bold prediction I have is Denver getting in, which obviously I'm high on the Broncos this year, so um, I think they do end up as a wild card. I think that they also challenge Kansas City for the AFC West in a sense. I think that you know the Chiefs are still going to win it, um, but the, the Broncos at least put up a fight this year and you won't be seeing the Chiefs clinch it, you know, with like three or four games left to play. I think it's going to come down uh, to later in the season for them. Uh, on the NFC side, I think that my, my boldest prediction I'm willing to make here. So here's a, here's a fun stat for you. At least one conference finalist has missed the playoffs entirely every year since 1996. I expect that trend to continue this year, and the team I'm leaving out is the Green Bay Packers. I think that uh, the drafting of Jordan Love is going to have a negative effect on Aaron Rodgers and that team. Their big acquisition in terms of upgrading that offense and giving Aaron Rodgers someone to throw to, Devin Funchess opted out of the season. You know, their second round pick was used on another running back in A.J. Dillon, who the only thing he would be doing is taking reps away from their star running back, Aaron Jones. Uh, you know, I think that the defense is decent there. They they had a ton of quality upgrades last year to make themselves good. But, you know, I just think that, Den- that Green Bay is going to take a step back. Their 13 wins last year was severely overachieving. And then, you know, from there, it's going to be even more of a regression that will ultimately keep them outside of the playoff field. And then follow. Sorry, oh, no, go, go ahead. ahead. I thought I you were done. Say, no. Well, I was just say to kind of follow that up with another trend. Um, so at least one NFC fourth place team has made the playoffs the following season every year since 2015. Uh, so I also think that streak will continue. And I think that the fourth place team from 2019 that will make the playoffs in 2020 is the Arizona Cardinals. I think the addition of DeAndre Hopkins, as well as upgrading their defense in the draft with Isaiah Simmons, they're just bringing in a lot of talent. I think Cliff Kingsbury, year two, Kyler Murray, year two, they're going to uh, make an ascent and uh, it'll be enough to get Arizona into the postseason field. Uh, Can I add a... A bold prediction for the NFC since I did one for the AFC. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Uh, so with the Patriots, I have them missing the playoffs. Uh, in terms of an NFC team making the playoffs, uh, you went with a fourth place team from last season, going to make the postseason this year. I'll kind of double down on the Detroit Lions. I know, I know they're not that great, but I think with all the additions that they made this offseason and also drafting Jeff Okuda and bringing all those all those Patriots players and then combining that with the fact that I think the NFC North is going to be weaker this year. The Bears are obviously dreadful, whether it's Trubisky or Foles, like Ben talked about earlier. Uh, you just talked about how Green Bay is going to miss the playoffs. And I, and I talked about how Minnesota, I think, can regress uh, especially after losing Stephon Diggs and several other guys on their defense. I'm going to say the Detroit Lions make the playoffs as a bold uh, prediction. Uh, they'll squeak in with the, what if it's a six or seven seed? So I'll go with them as a bold call. The Lions are really good to start out the year. Um, you know, they, they had some some big victories over the, the Chargers and the Eagles early. They put up a fight against the Chiefs and the Packers and the wheels didn't really fall off until Matthew Stafford got hurt so I think it's kind of a similar scenario of you know what what are the Lions going to be like with you know in regards with to him the Steelers healthy and Ben Roethlisberger yeah with with a healthy Matthew Stafford in Detroit um, I think the and- NFC North is going to be a really strong division this year I'm not as down on the Bears as you guys are for the simple thought of either Mitchell Trubisky is going to be better than 2019 Mitchell Trubisky or Nick Foles is going to be better than 2019 Mitchell Trubisky and that 2019 Bears team still went eight and eight um, I think that they're just narrowly going to miss the playoff field but I, I do think that the Bears are going to be a, a solid team and you know they're not going to be terrible this year so Ben do you have any bold playoff predictions for the NFC, uh, I went with the Buccaneers. I know you have the Buccaneers, the yeah, winning the division. Any any like crazy teams, or are you going mostly chalk? Okay, well, you know what? I'm gonna do this <laughs> because they added. I haven't done it for the AFC yet. Yeah. Since they added an extra playoff spot, I think that an unlikely team slides in right there at the extra spot, and that team is going to be the Cleveland yep. Browns. I'm going bolder than anyone else <laughs> ever has gone before. Um, I'm saying Cleveland Browns seven seed in the AFC. Yeah, there was a time where I was going to make the bold prediction that the uh, AFC North will produce three playoff teams, but uh, you know, I, I decided to take the opposite approach on Cleveland in the end. But you know, I, if if they... I told myself, <laughs> I told myself I wasn't going to buy into the Browns, yeah. and, but you, you guys have forced my hand, <laughs> and now I'm committing fully. They're going to make the playoffs as the seven seed no, I, uh, this season. There you go. Um, I think, you know, one last one, AFC South, you know, I know that the, that I'm big on the Cardinals because they added DeAndre Hopkins, but I'm still big on the Texans, even though they lost some, I think both the Texans and the Titans get back to the playoffs again with the Texans winning the South. Um, and you know, of course I think that if the Patriots are going to miss the playoffs, the Dolphins Jets aren't going to be good, that the Bills will still win the division. Josh Allen will be competent enough to get them there, but I don't think that they'll have much success once they get in. All right, so uh, do we want to wrap this up with our Super Bowl picks? Who do you guys have representing the AFC and the NFC in Super Bowl 55 this year in Tampa? Correct, yeah. All right, Ben, do you want to lead us off? Sure. Um, I'm actually going with uh, a Super Bowl rematch, 49ers-Chiefs. All right. I think, uh, I mean... I don't think I think the Chiefs have uh, the clearest path to getting back, and then I'm a huge 49ers homer. We didn't necessarily get worse, 
I think we got a, the championship window is still wide open. Um, rematch and this time Jimmy won't overthrow uh, the most important pass at the end of the game so 49ers Chiefs is my pick for the Super Bowl I'll go with the Chiefs again as well uh, they again like like Ben said they have the clearest path to the Super Bowl more than any other team so I'll go with the Chiefs and then the NFC I'll go with the Cowboys they're there they should be ready this year so Chiefs Cowboys is my prediction for this this year's Super Bowl for Super Bowl 55 yeah, so ESPN, uh, they do like an annual um, article where they, I think they do 10,000 simulations and then they choose one of them uh, to be their official you know, prediction of how the entire season is going to play out. And uh, they actually had Chiefs over the, the Cowboys in the Super Bowl. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break the trend with the Chiefs and I'm just going to go with history says that they're not going to go back to back and uh i'm gonna as much as i hate to say it i think that the baltimore ravens this is their year to go to the super bowl kind of following the path of uh patrick mahomes and the chiefs where they you know year two jackson wins the mvp and then year three uh you know he follows it up with the uh trip to the super bowl and in the nfc it's i I didn't want to do this because I feel like they're cursed based on the past three years, but I'm going with the New Orleans Saints. I think that they have to get there this year, and uh, you know, I, I think that things will finally come together for that team, and they will find themselves in Tampa, their, their rival team's uh, stadium, uh, fighting for you know, one last chance of a Super Bowl under Drew Brees. So I thought about them, but I, I've, I've I picked them way too many times, and <laughs> yeah, and have I, it I feel so crazy just... for picking them, but yeah, so we'll see. So we we got Chiefs 49ers again, we got Chiefs Cowboys, and we got Ravens Saints. So lock those in, and uh, that will wrap things up for the He's Done It 2020 NFL season preview episode. Ben, thank you for coming on for this. Uh, you know, we know you got your your priorities with your your Twitch streaming and other content creation, but I'm glad you took some time to to talk about football. Yeah, I'll be back later this season, definitely. All right, we look forward to that. We'll certainly be talking more football. You know, we'll be catching up on the NBA playoffs, Stanley Cup playoffs, you know, other other sports because this is a unique year where football is going head to head against a lot of things. Uh, but you know, the NFL is still king, and I know it's going to take up everyone's attention on Sundays uh, moving forward, as long as this season uh, continues, which I, I certainly hope they can find a way to, uh, you know keep games going uh, you know despite of the pandemic so all right uh for benjamin carlson and brian wells i'm corinne thanks everyone